Thank you, Nick. Well, good morning. I do trust you can understand the accent. A very good British accent is with you today. And so it's a delight to be here. And after hearing that build-up by Pastor Nick, I can hardly wait to hear myself. Dear, dear me. Thank you so much. That's very, very kind of you. Uh, this is the third time that I've been to, to Uni Hill. And it's always been a delight. And each time I sense the presence of God as we were worshipping there. How many of you know God's really in the house today? Without any shadow of a doubt. Uh, because of time, we're going to get into the Word of God very, very quickly. But before I do so, let me just mention, if I can, two resources that I've been able to bring with me. There's only two left. I brought four with me. But I've, I've been in the country now for the last four, four five weeks. I go home next uh, Sunday. Uh, and uh, I know that Pastor Nick likes you to know when his birthday is. Well, actually, I leave next Sunday, and it's my birthday on the Monday. And I always remember my wife's birthday because it's the same day. So I'm going home. How many of you know that that's good news when your wife's birthday is on the same day? How many of you know it's terrible when you forget it? Which one year I did, and that was nearly divorced, but we won't go there. And so I, I go home next Sunday and arrive back on my birthday on the Monday. Uh, but I, I only have got two resources left. One is called Firm Foundations, which is a little overview of the Christian faith. A lot of churches in the UK actually are using this in their cell groups and home groups. Uh, and uh, it's a very, very easy read, but it's quite comprehensive in in its simplicity of spelling out the, uh, the main things that relate to church life and Christianity. And then this one I wrote just more recently. It's called The Team Factor. Uh, I believe in team very, very much. And for the last eight years while serving in the UK as the um, superintendent, I had a great team, pulled them together, and we stuck together for those eight years. Uh, and I just believe in team, and so these are some of the things that I've learned over the years regarding that. They're, they're normally 10 Australian dollars each, which was still cheap, by the way, that was, according to England, but $10 each. But because I've got to get rid of them, or try to, because I really don't want to take them back to the UK, uh, you could have the two for 15 if you want. And so they'll be at the back, and if as many of you can take those, that'll be a great help to Brother John. I... Uh, I like poetry, and although this doesn't rhyme so well, I came across this, and it sets almost a foundation for where I want to go this morning. Uh, listen to it, if you would. In every life, there comes a time, a minute, when you must decide to stand up and live your dreams, or fall back and live your fears. In that minute of decision, you must grasp the vision and seize the power that lies deep with inside of you, and then you will see that dreams really can come true, and that all things are possible if you can just believe. It only takes a minute to change your life. It only takes a minute to learn that a setback is nothing but a setup for a comeback. Father, help me to communicate something of divine truth so that any that have faced any setbacks will realize that this can be a stepping into something of a tremendous comeback into all of your plans and purposes for us. I ask that you will help me to communicate something of divine truth this morning that will glorify your name, bless this congregation, and challenge every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, this might surprise you, but uh, I kind of prepare my heart when I know I'm going somewhere, and I've known that I've been coming here for quite a long time. So I prepared the message for this morning well over six months ago. I was in my office, and I was praying, and I was writing down where I wanted to go. I wrote down what I wanted to speak at the men's meeting yesterday and the other ministry that I'd be taking place and although I prepare my heart in that way, you've always got to be ready for God to step in and change it, as he did regarding the men's ministry uh, yesterday. Just the night before, I heard that there were some changes, and so I altered my ministry totally and went in totally a different direction. But this morning, nothing has altered. I cannot shake the weight of what I want to share with you this morning. All the things that I've listened to as I've Converse with people both here in Melbourne, I've been to Canberra as well. For the last two weeks prior to coming here, I was in Adelaide. 
it seems that they were hammering home this message that I've got laid on my heart for you as a church and also for you, many of you, as individuals. I can't say to you that this message is new in the sense that it was prepared specifically for today, for it is what I call one of my life messages. I've been involved in church ministry and uh, leading churches for, well, nearly 50 years. And in that time, of course, you uh, preach thousands of times. I'm almost fed up of preaching just messages. I'm sick to death of going to church and being church and just listening to a message. What we need is what we sang about and experienced earlier on when we want the presence of God to so invade us that he speaks deep into our spirit and into our hearts and our lives. And messages can be just the same. But what you carry as a preacher are certain life messages. They may only be three or four, and that's all I've got, three or four life messages, although I've preached thousands upon thousands of times. One of my life messages relates to the fact that Jesus wants you to enjoy life to the full. I, b I believe it. I live it. I believe that when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly or above the average, that means exactly what he said. He wants you to enjoy this life. And if you're not enjoying serving Jesus, then there's something wrong. If you're not enjoying your life to the full, every day is a bonus. And it's an absolute delight to get up in the morning and realize today is another potential to enjoy my God, for him to enjoy me, for me to enjoy other people. And I just enjoy life pretty much to the full. It's a life message. Another life message is that right from early on as a convert, I had a revelation into my spirit as to God's sovereignty. That if he's the Lord then he's the Lord of everything. Uh, that if he is God, he is far above all. Principalities and powers, he is great and nothing, I said nothing, is impossible to him. Therefore, I need not fear. Though there may be a finger on a button that could press and nuclear war could go, that wouldn't take God by surprise and my times are in his hands. I'm a personal believer in the sovereignty of God that nothing catches him by surprise. And therefore I can walk in faith and I can walk in victory and I can walk in confidence that if God is for me, who can be against me? Will someone say amen? I'm talking about a great God. So I could preach a life message from uh, oh, many messages that relate to living life to the full, or, or I could preach many, many messages that zero in on some aspect of God's sovereignty, but the one that I carry with me for this morning relates to this, that as your faces differ, and as your circumstances differ, there is a twofold aspect of God's plan and purpose for you. One of them is unique to you as an individual. So Charles's call and Charles's destiny and Charles's path is different from Meredith's because God's hand is upon Meredith and it's upon Charles, uh, but there is an individual and purpose and destiny for you as individuals. And each and every one of us has got a different call and different destiny. And yet there is something that is corporate. Something that affects every single one of us the same in this hall and in fact in every church and for every purpose. Every person, the purpose remains the same. And it is this, that God actually desires for you, not just the person next to you, but for you to enjoy more and more of his success and prosperity in your life. Now you say, but John, what are you going to? Are you going to a prosperity gospel? Are you preaching about finance? Well, let me lay a foundation if I may, but the Bible makes it pretty clear in Psalm chapter 20 and verse 4 that he's going to give you the desires of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. God wants you to know his success. The Bible tells me in Genesis 39 and verse 23 that the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in everything that he did. 
He plans success for you. The Bible tells me in 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 13 that if you're careful to observe all of the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave to Moses, then you will have success. I've got some news for you this morning that I want you to take away with you. There is a God that loves you. You're not here by chance. And he wants you to go out of here and enjoy more and more of his success in your life. Will you say amen? Amen. Now, I've got to ask you a question. And the question is this, how many of you here would be prepared to wave your hand in the air and say, John, that's exactly what I want. I want to go out of here and know more and more of God's success in my life. Will you wave your hand to me? And that's where it all goes wonky and all goes wrong. The preacher, the English preacher has tricked you. Beware of preachers. Preachers can manipulate congregations. Preachers can turn things around. And what I did there, I got you all to wave your hand because it all sounded pretty good. But you didn't hear what I said. I I didn't say how many of you want to know success in your life. I said how many of you want to go out of here knowing more and more of God's success in your life. And the trouble is with God's success and man's success, they can sometimes be the same, but also they can be very, very different. You see, man's success very often says that if you become popular, if people put you on a pedestal, If people recognize your greatness because of your perhaps ability on the stage or in the theater or some great deed, then you are a success. But that may not be the case. Uh, Men, they say you are successful if you can pull out your wallet and you know great prosperity for you are a man or a woman of riches. Now, I don't in any way say that that's wrong, but let me tell you, mere riches alone does not mean that you are a success in life. And there can be all kinds of things that we get mixed up in thinking about what success is. Now, please understand me this morning, and I I don't want you to feel I'm being big-headed or anything here. I'll explain what I mean, but you are looking at a success. You say, "Uh, really? Yeah, you're looking at a success. I'll tell you why. Pastor Nick has already said, I've got three kids and a wife, one wife. That this year, in a couple of months' time, we celebrate 45 years together. I consider that a success. A tremendous success for her (laughs) to have lasted this long. Somebody said to me, John, what is the secret of your success for being married so long? I said, well, for 42 of the 45 years, I've traveled. (laughs) But that's not quite true. I think it's pretty good to be married 45 years. And you might say this is because I've been away from her for five weeks. But no, it's true. I love her as much today, if not more, than I've ever loved her. She's my darling. She's my queen. Now, I'd have been embarrassed to say that because I came from a mining community. And you didn't talk like that when I was brought up in school. But I'm old enough now to not care what you think. I'm a success because I love my wife. And she loves me. But here's a success. We've got three kids. You had my son here, didn't you, a few weeks ago, Aaron. He's got a lot of his mother's naughty ways, that boy. So if he was naughty, humorous, funny, stupid, that's his mother. When he hit the mark, well, say no more. Eddie, listen. Did you know, Nicky is a great friend of mine, but a greater friend than Nick is my son. He's just my mate. We love spending time together. Our wives don't like us spending time together, but we like being together. I think that's pretty successful. I've got two daughters, two beautiful daughters, and they they like being with their dad. You know, it's it's amazing, really. I I hear so many of my friends that haven't got that kind of relationship, and it's quite rare, really, to have it like that. And so I say, hey, silver and gold I might not have, but such as I have, I can give something to you. I can give to you. A word of saying that you're looking at a success because my kids love, hey, they've got between them six 
grandchildren. I've got six children that are my grandchildren. Now, there's something wonderful about grandchildren. It's when they come and see you. And better than that is when you get out the anky and see them go. Because, <laughs> boy, they tire you out. I've just had two weeks in Adelaide with two of my grandkids because my daughter lives in Adelaide. And uh, those two boys have tired me out. I've come here for a rest. They are just live wires. I go to my daughter's house. She's got three kids. And every one of them, when I get there, they jump on me. They pull my hair. They, they, they want to do my hair. They stick their fingers in every orifice that I've got. Uh, and I love them, but oh boy, I'm glad. Tell them that. Aaron's son, Zeke. I mean, he's, he's very much like his dad. Just, just you're zooming everywhere. But it's amazing. My wife, she does everything for them. She speaks every week, every few days to the kids here in Australia via Skype and what have you. And she sends them gifts and writes them and everything like that. But when Pops is in the house, she doesn't, they don't want to play with her. Miserable woman. <laughs> they want to dive on Popsy and roll on the floor. I consider that a great success. I consider it a success because a couple of years ago, I paid off my mortgage on my house. We haven't, we haven't got a big house. Well, we don't have big houses in, in the UK. But I've got a, a lovely home with a little garden there. And it's all paid for. I've driven some lovely cars, Jags and BMWs and the like. And, and I traded my Jag in because I've retired now, or supposed to be retired. By the way, for any that are scared about retirement, don't be scared of it. It's the best job I've ever had. It's fantastic being retired. But I, I'm retired now. And uh, so we traded the Jag in, and I got two cars, and I got money back, and we've got two cars, both paid for. And it's all a sign that, God, oh, your favor and your grace and your blessing is so great. Success is very... Now, because you said, John... I want to know God's success, and you didn't know what you were saying. I'm now going to show you what it is. Come with me as we visit the most successful apostle outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, who the apostle Paul was going on a bit of a journey, and will liken his journey that he goes on to the journey of life, the journey that all of us are on. And in Acts Chapter 27, this is what we read about the Apostle Paul and the journey that he was going on. It says, and I think we're able to put it up, are we? Uh, da, 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 chapter 28, verse, verse 1. Da, 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 what on earth, what version is that? The NIV, okay. Uh, dear me. Okay, have you got another version? It's different to my Bible, that. You're, you're using a false Bible here, NIV. I mean, King James, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it was good enough for me, King James. Actually, in verse 1, it says this in my, my thing, that when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, you see, to go on any journey, is that, is that number 21 verse 8? Once safely on the shore, we found out that the island was... No, 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 that's, that's chapter 28, chapter 27, mate. Thank you. Did, did I tell you? Who did I tell it to? Well, I told you wrong. You've got to... You both carry a prophetic anointing. Why didn't you interpret what I was saying? Your gift is not flowing, boys. I'm the guest. I'm not going to be wrong this morning. Listen, it's, it's chapter 27, sorry. Chapter, thank you, yes. Chapter 27 and verse 1, it says that when it was decided. You see, the Apostle Paul made a decision to go on a journey. And every journey that's going to no success begins with a decision. Everything is a matter of decision. Everything is a matter of the choices that we make. Some choices are important. Some decisions are unimportant. But the fact is that when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus, or when we make any kind of a decision to set out on a journey, that's a good thing. And some of you put your hands up and said, hey, I want God's success. That's a good decision, although you didn't realize what you were doing. You just thought, great, God's success. Oh, well, you didn't even think that. You thought, success, success, great, great. Hmm. When it was decided, some of you need to make the greatest decision of all to get on the journey this morning. I remember on the 25th of March, 1966, I made a decision. It's a decision that I can now follow up with a song. I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. 
And on the 25th of March, 1966, as a young lad, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus. I didn't realize all what it would entail, but I decided to put my trust and my faith in God. What a great decision. And I set sail, as it were, because the next thing that you read about in chapter 27, verse 1, is that when it was decided that we should set sail to Italy, nice place to go to, Italy. And in verse 2, it says, so we put to sea. Uh, Do you know what a lot of people do? They make a decision and never follow through with it. And then when you make a decision but don't carry through with it, it's no decision at all. And some people, they say, we're going to decide to give our lives to the Lord, and they never do anything more about it. They never really set sail. And this journey of success means that we've got to be prepared to make the decision to go on the journey and know God's success, but then we've got to start doing something about it and setting sail. I set sail on the 25th of March. I like starting a journey. I've now been, uh, how many times did I tell you? Was it 56 times? 56 times I've been to Australia now. Made the journey 56 times from the UK. That's a fair few, fair few air miles if you went with the same airline, but I go with all different types and it's not much good. But in those 56 journeys, there's only been one that really I didn't like. And I don't want to cause any offence, but that was when I I travelled with Air India. I've got my friend at the back there. When I travelled with Air India, that was the... But you're here, so if you... They've improved now. It was a long time ago, brother, a long time ago. But apart from that, I love it going on the journey. I love sitting out. I, it's, not a, it's not a bind to, for the plane to take. I just love getting going. And the Apostle Paul set out on the journey and he put to sea. And then it tells us that the winds begin to... Uh, oh, dear, dear, dear me. Can you put up verse 4 for me, please? Oh, you can't even put up verse 1. Sorry, okay. Verse 4. It says, When we had put to sea, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Say contrary winds. Come on, come on, church. Say contrary winds. I want to hear it. You don't think about that when you set sail. You don't think about contrary winds when you give your life. When I first became a Christian, I thought everybody in church was lovely. But they're not. In fact, 99% of the people in church, I wouldn't want to go on holiday with. Boring people. Wouldn't have the same interests. And when I first got saved and gave my life to the Lord and set sail, I thought everybody was wonderful, but it didn't take too long before I realized there were some contrary winds blowing and Mrs. So-and-so wasn't all what I thought. She was a gossip. And Mr. So-and-so, who I thought was a nice guy, I heard him really shouting and, and losing his temper. wasn't quite what I thought, contrary winds. And then I personally clashed with somebody. Personality clash. Didn't get on. I didn't think church was like this. I didn't think that this could possibly result in any kind of success because, hey, what's happening now? This isn't the kind of Christianity that I signed up for. This wasn't the kind of church that I, I wanted to belong to. The youth group was absolutely fantastic. I loved everybody that was of the opposite sex until I went out with one of them. Oh, dear me. wasn't quite what I thought. And contrary winds begin to blow. And suddenly you begin to think, hey, is this really worth it all? Getting on a journey to enjoy God's success. The Bible goes on in verse 7 and it says, we sailed slowly. Oh dear, not even, making much, not even making much journey now. It goes on and it says, and then we finally arrived with difficulty. Not only adverse winds blowing us off course a bit, but there's been difficulties along the way. Anybody know what it is to be a Christian and have any difficulties? Mm, you can put your hands up for that. That's not a trick question. Well, what do you expect? This, is, this, this false gospel, come to Jesus and everything will be okay. Load of rubbish. It's not right. Come to Jesus and he'll give you a life worth living. It'll all be with you. Never forsake you. But it says daily take up your cross and follow me. It says in this, in this life you're going to have some trials and tribulations. Uh, and the truth of the matter is it wasn't too long before the Apostle Paul on this journey that we're looking at not only had winds blowing him off course a bit, but he had some difficulties. 
But after those difficulties, guess what happened? Oh, I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. It says, we sailed on, we proceeded, and then even though with difficulty, we came to the place called Fair Haven. You've heard me speak on Fair Haven before because I just love Fair Haven. Fair, you could close your eyes now and picture it. This is a place where the sky is blue, no clouds. The sea is not a ripple. The sand is golden. There's coconut trees and bounty bar girls serving you chocolate and coconuts all day long. I'm talking about Fair Haven. I'm talking about a place where you rest. The last 12 months, last 18 months have been my most difficult 18 months in my Christian walk. And uh, it's funny, isn't it, that you can go a, a whole life virtually and you get your ups and downs. But then you get a guy come to you that says, actually, the last, last 18 months surpasses it all. So much so that I finished being the National Leader of Assemblies of God several months early because I was being rushed into hospital with a nurse shouting, heart attack, heart attack. It wasn't a heart attack, and I thank God for that. It did result in a lot of tests and what have you. Final conclusion after all this time, emotionally, physically, mentally, every way, Absolutely done in. I became a recluse. I've always been an outgoing person who's wanted to talk to people and love the company of people, but not, not a year ago, really. Didn't want to talk to anybody. I locked myself away. I resigned, as I say, a few months early from finishing my second term of leading the Assemblies of God. I grew a beard, let me hair grow all wild, like a wild man when I look back at the photos. And so, over the past 18 months, do you know what finally began to happen? After the difficulties and the adverse winds, I found myself at home in Fairhaven. It's a wonderful place. It's a place where you can be still and know that he is God. It's a place where you don't need to talk to anybody really because the quietness shouts louder and the silence becomes a sound from heaven into your heart as God begins his work of restoring and blowing his peace into your life. It takes quite a while. I suppose that I'm... 95% through it all now. I like Fairhaven. Some of you have been through some difficulties and some of you are at the place called Fairhaven. You're just enjoying God's rest and God's peace. You're not really active, not really doing as perhaps you did even in the past, but now is a time of just being still. Just, hey, just enjoying Jesus. Things are going all right. Of course, although it's a blessing, Fairhaven, it's also... A dangerous place to be if you overspend your time there. Because the Apostle Paul was not called to Fairhaven. He was called to go to Italy. And if I remained in that place of rest, and if I never allowed God to bring me up and out of it and continue the journey, then something would be very, very wrong. And some of you here need to hear this challenge, please, please, please. You've stayed in the place of Fairhaven too long. It's time for you to lift the anchor. It's time for you to set sail again and say, I'm going to get into all that God's got for me. Oh, I've had some difficulties and I've had some adverse winds and I've been blown off course a bit and I've been hurt and this has happened and that's happened. But from today, I've made a decision. A decision to enjoy God's success. And that success means that I'm going to continue the journey. And so you push right in from this morning and say, I'm going to again do exactly what the Apostle Paul did. They lifted up the anchor 
and continued on the journey to Italy. It's a marvelous thing because they lift up the anchor uh, and it says that a, a, a south wind in verse 13 of chapter 27, a south wind began to blow softly and they even supposed that they'd obtained what they set out for. Now it's really happening. People are being saved. Their life is full of blessing. God's being good to them uh, in that kind of sense, if you like. And hey, this is it. I think we've arrived. We, uh, but of course they hadn't. And <laughs> Have any of you here, by the way, ever wished that you was a Jehovah's Witness? Oh, I have. You say, John, you've got our attention. Now, Jehovah's Witness. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you see, do you know what the Jehovah's Witnesses do? They cut out certain verses. Throw them away. I'd like to do that because I don't like some of the verses in the Bible. Do you like every verse in the Bible? Some I don't like. When it comes to circumcision, oh, cut that bit out. <laughs> and I'd cut this verse out that says that after they had thought they'd obtained what they wanted and they continued on the journey, suddenly there arose a great wind that was called the Northeaster. And suddenly we're into now something quite different. We're into a hurricane. A hurricane that's going to destroy the ship. A hurricane that's going to take the lives of those on board. This hurricane is not something that just kind of knocks them. This is out to totally destroy them. Uh, did you see on your TV screens quite recently within the last 12 months some of the hurricanes that took place across the water? The devastation that they caused. <laughs> I've got a, a very, very close mate back at home. We were at Bible college together. And him and his wife, I don't know whether I've told you this story before. I may have done, but he, he's just a great close buddy. And uh, when they came to my wife's 60th birthday, um, somebody said, hey, Viv doesn't look very well. I hadn't really noticed because, you know, I'm blind to these things, useless. Uh, but then I tried to observe a bit, and I thought, perhaps she isn't very well. And I said to my mate, I said, hey, Jimmy, Viv all right? He said, no, she's under stress. A mum's recently died, and there's a few things, and it's really, you know. I said, oh, well, keep an eye on it. Next time I saw him, I said, listen, have you been to the doctors with Viv? He said, no, but I think I perhaps ought to. He went, and diagnosed Alzheimer's. Do you know what? I went to see him and Viv the week before coming and seeing you here in Australia. My mate feeds his wife now because she can't feed herself. She leaves feces around the house. She's in a total world of her own and doesn't even recognize her own husband. But every day he cries and cries. As the woman he loved, and the woman we loved as well, is here in body, but not in reality. And into his life, and into the lives of his kids, there blows a hurricane. There blows a situation into a godly couple's life that cannot be explained away by Jesus always blessing us and doing nice things for us. That suddenly into this godly couple, there comes something that would rob them of their faith. <laughs> a hurricane. I haven't got time. But I could take you to meet various people that I've known along the way. That into their lives there's blown hurricanes. There's some people sitting here in this church that know what I'm on about. When the phone call comes and says, your son is putting a needle into his vein. Or the police have just arrested. Or the doctor's news is not good. It's the big C. And into the lives of those that love the Lord, there still arises hurricanes. That are going to take you away and rob you of your faith. Apart from one thing.
On this journey of success, there is an answer. And the answer is that it says that they then began to throw overboard the excess cargo. They looked at that that was weighing them down and they got rid of it in order that they could continue sailing on. And I think that when we're in hurricanes, it makes us align ourselves with saying, is that relationship really worth it? Do I need to be doing that? Should I be doing this and so on? And we get rid of any excess cargo. Some of you are perhaps at, at that point. I don't know. All I know is that I came to a conclusion that you can't beat a hurricane. You say, but John, you're a faith preacher. Yeah. God can do anything. Yeah. And you're now telling us he can't, you can't beat a hurricane. No. You can't beat a hurricane because a hurricane has already happened. There are times in our Christian walk we have to push through in prayer and see the enemy defeated. And there are other times we have to be still and know that he is God and get rid of excess cargo and say, it's over to you, Lord. I can do no more. It's you and you alone. <laughs> do you know, my time's gone. And we could, you can tell this is something that's in me. But if you continue on this journey, you find that they continue on <laughs> and there's more shipwrecks. And then they fight with poisonous snakes. And then there's all kinds of disasters and adverse winds. And oh, and then my favorite verse, or one of them in the whole of the Bible, is in chapter 28. That's why I must have said it. Because in chapter 28 and verse 14, it says that they found some brothers and they were invited to stay with them seven days. And then we arrived. At Rome. Now, because I know this is an ultra-intelligent congregation, how many of you know where Rome is? Which country is it? Italy. In other words, they arrived at the destination that they set out for. With all of those things, this was success. This was reaching the destination that they went for, even though it wasn't the kind of glory, glory, everything wonderful happening. They had some battles and difficulties, but they got there. And three things were the result of them getting there. Number one, it says that some of the unbelievers there gave their lives to Jesus. That's wonderful. When you fulfill your destiny, do you know what the consequence is? Some unbelievers will give their lives to the Lord Jesus. It's always a consequence. Uh, it tells us, secondly, that the believers that were there, they were encouraged. I'm going to tell you something about my mate Jimmy. He might cry every day, but he still lifts his hands in worship to the Lord Jesus that he's served all his days. And to me, is a tremendous inspiration and blessing. I'm encouraged when I realize how he and the family are dealing with it. Hmm. And the third thing is, best of all, do you want me to sing? Yes? <laughs> the best thing of all is that God is glorified. We've got to close, but I've got to, I, 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 I've, got to, I've got to bring this to a climax. Successful journey. What, what's your name? Joey. 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 My heart is full of joy. I've got a daughter called Joy. Well, Bethany Joy, but it's kind of halfway there, isn't it? Joy, it might be 10 years or it might be 20 years. Because I'm not a prophet, this could be 30 or 40 years ahead. I don't care how old you are, love. People have lived to be 110. Go for it, sweetheart. You're looking young. But Joy, if it's 40 years or 50 years or... Do you know what the greatest glory is going to be and the greatest success? Is that one day, Jesus himself is going to say, Joy, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now in to your peace. You see, the greatest success of all is not big wallet filled with pounds or dollars. It's not the popularity of being a famous person. 
Real success is reaching your destination. Of fulfilling your call. Of pushing in no matter what. And so that ultimately we cast a crown before him who gave his life for us. And he says to you, well done. You've arrived in heaven. And that's the ultimate destination of every believer. The greatest success is to continue the journey no matter what. Adverse winds, difficulties, hurricanes. No. I wonder how many of you here would raise your hand and say, don't do it. John, I want more of God's success in my life when I leave here. I don't know what that's going to involve for you. But I do know this, that with that kind of decision, you're going to have the most wonderful, wonderful life of all, no matter what. Knowing that in the darkest moment, you'll be able to put your head on your pillow and say, but it's well. It's well with my soul. Bow your heads in a word of prayer with me, please. Perhaps it is that you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're here today for the first time, or you might have been a hundred times, but you're not absolutely certain you're going to heaven. But today you say, John, I want to make a decision, and I want that decision to be absolutely the one whereby I know I'm giving my life to Christ. Pray for me, please, John, because I'm making that decision based on all that you've said. I want Jesus in my life and be assured of a place in heaven. I'm not asking if you joined the church. I'm not asking how long you've been at the church or whether you're here for the first time. I'm saying, do you know Christ as Savior? If you're uncertain of that, but you want to be certain today, I want you to do something for me. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way at all. But I want you to slip up your hand and say, John, say a quick prayer for me because I want Jesus in my life today. Put up your hand right now, will you please? Just slip it right up. Thank you. God bless you. Is there someone else? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Greatest decision of all that. And I pray for you. A couple that have put their hands up in saying, I, I want to be sure of this. Well, you can be sure, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And he accepts us just as we are. Father, take these lives, I pray, and help them on this journey so they will know great success. But here's the second part of my appeal. How many of you here who are Christians and you say, John, I, I want you to pray a prayer over me because hearing everything you've said, I still want to know God's success, God's success more and more in my life, no matter what that is. It might include riches, it might include popularity, but it might include difficulties or even a hurricane but I'm going to push in perhaps it is that you are in that hurricane right now my faith is high I tell you I prayed I prayed in my spirit six, seven, eight months ago for this service I, I was in my office and I knew I'd got to go in a journey that I'd done before in my life if you want me to pray for you and you say, John, your word has spoken to me, stand to your feet right now all over this place. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Dozens and dozens of you. This is the right word for the right moment. Don't stand because somebody else is, please. You're standing for you. You're standing for you. Now, I made a promise to those that put their hand up in the first part not to call you out, but... I didn't say that for this now. I want to stand with you. I don't want you to be embarrassed by this. We're on the journey together. Just come and stand down the front, those of you that are standing, will you please? There's dozens and dozens and dozens of you. And we prayed at the start through the song. We need the Spirit of God. Well, let me tell you, He was here, He is here. And He's touching lives right now. Let your tears flow if they need to. You're making a decision. A decision, a decision. Come forward, spread right across. Thank you. 
step forward those of you that are in the front row so more can come thank you last time of asking don't don't be slow in this just join those thank you god bless you god bless you just come come that's it god bless you you don't want to miss this precious moment preacher is done and now please Holy Spirit seal in the hearts and lives of everyone that stands before you something of the strength and the weight of this word as we decide afresh to follow you with no turning back no matter what perhaps to make some tough decisions perhaps to be still, perhaps to lift up the anchor again we make a decision and there's no turning back. Here we go. I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. This is a prayer. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning Just keep playing, please. Only God can turn a mess into a message. Only God can turn a test into a testimony. Only God can turn a trial into a triumph and a victim into victory. It only takes a minute. It only takes one decision to turn a setback into a setup for a comeback. And today, there are comebacks that are taking place in the hearts and lives of many of you as we decide like never before to enjoy God's success. No turning back. Can we all stand please? And I want you to stay where you are. Lift your voice as we make this now something of a real affirmation. No turning back. Come on, sing it right out loud from your heart and your spirit. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I would believe that was a real prophetic message uh, to us as individuals, but also to our church. I'd like us to give Pastor John a big hand and just uh, his encouragement of his journey. Of his faithfulness, and you know, over the last 18 months, I've known some of the hurricanes that he's had to go through. But what a great testament that here he is preaching God's word! What an amazing, amazing testimony! You know, last week, Pastor Charles preached about pressing through. We know some of the hurricanes that some of you have been going through. My wife and I have been through some hurricanes, we're in one at the moment ourselves. There's something powerful that happens when you lift the anchor. Something powerful. And I'd like us symbolically to do that right now. You know how we, we can symbolically do that? Lift your hands towards heaven. Surrender, not to the circumstances, but to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Friends, let me tell you, there is something powerful. Doesn't matter what you are facing, what you are facing, when the human spirit 
which is being created by God, lifts your hands not to the surrender of your circumstances, but to the surrender of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Something happens in your spirit that goes beyond human reasoning and human understanding. The intellect can't understand it. People watching you can't understand it. How can you be in the middle of a hurricane and have your hands lifted up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And today that's what we are declaring, that Jesus Christ is Lord over your hurricane, over your circumstance. He is Lord. It's the most powerful thing that we can do. Come on, with your hands lifted up. We're going to sing, I have decided. Come on, sing it, because He is Lord. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. lifted up. Today, Lord, we acknowledge, we don't bow down to the circumstances, but we acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that we are on a journey and that, Lord, you're going to bring us to the destination that you have called us for. Father, I pray today that every one of us will lift our eyes and look to you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You're writing the chapter. You're writing the book. And Father, we thank you that at the end of that book, Lord, just like you said on the cross, it is finished and there will be rejoicing and your name will be glorified. We thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. I would like us to give God a huge house of praise and shout and lift up his name. He is. Come on. Come on, church. Just lift your faith today. Come on today. Those of you today, lift your faith in your hands and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. Come on. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. We bless you and we thank you today in Jesus' precious and holy name. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Well, what a great, great word. Not just to hold on to, but to give us that encouragement to continue forward. Hey, it's been a great, great morning. Why don't you give someone a hug this morning, you know, just encourage someone and say, hey, you're looking great. Why don't you grab some coffee and have a great, great Sunday. Thank you, Pastor John. What a great word. God bless you. Have a great, great day today.